let's get into the word. John chapter 8, we're going to be in verses 48 through 59 this morning. And I want to encourage you, if you weren't here Wednesday, I want you to listen to Pastor's message um, or short ad, admonishment. It was, it was a shorter, maybe 15 minute message, and it was a powerful service in here on Wednesday. Amen. And those of you who are here, listen to this uh, message, please. Look it up. It's on you know, YouTube, probably on Facebook still. Um, listen to it. And um, my eyes have seen the King, and, and holy, holy, from Isaiah chapter 6, and it really impacted me this week, really prepared my heart to preach this morning, help in that process. So um thankful for the pulpit on fire here. I've been in churches where the pulpit was not on fire, and uh, we're, we're blessed here. So the title of the message this morning is Greater Than Abraham, Greater Than Abraham. And we're going to talk about, of course, our Lord this morning and how he is greater than Abraham. If you're there in your Bibles this morning, say amen. Amen, amen. amen. I'll start reading verse 48. Would you follow with me? The Bible says, Then the Jews answered him and said to him, do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. And I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Then the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead and the prophets and you say, anyone keeps my word, uh, he, he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead? The prophets are dead. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him. But I know him, and if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to him, to them, uh, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. In Jesus' last exchange with these in the crowd here who were unbelievers. He told them that they were children of the devil. Now I want to encourage you, do not leave with that in your evangelistic endeavors. Jesus didn't lead that way, but of course in these exchanges back and forth with these who had hard hearts, who would not receive the truth concerning Jesus and his identity, uh, Jesus had come to the point where with these religious, prideful, hard-hearted, stiff-necked people, he was going to shoot them straight. Anybody ever been there? You know, I've been so gracious to someone for so long, but now it's time for me to speak the truth and, and, and not hold back. Now, I want you, now, hey, don't clap. Okay, hold on. Jesus can do so. He's perfect, right? And, and you know, when we do that type of stuff, our flesh seems to get mingled into that, and we, we can do more damage a lot of times than good. You know, that's why I've learned to do something that some of you need to pray about doing too. And this week, how many of you say there's been many times where I've had to bite my lip or my tongue? But anyways, Jesus here is, he had just told them the truth about who they were and who they belonged to. 
they were claiming to be Abraham's children. And, and But Jesus said, no, 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 no. You are like your father, the devil. And it shows in your fruits. You know, they had murderous intent in their heart. They hated Jesus. They were there was no truth found in them, and, and they uh, had positioned themselves, and they were not going to move from that position of denying Jesus. And they're going to take it a bit further here in the verses that we're going to touch this morning. I want you to notice with me, first of all, that they would deliberately dishonor Jesus. They would uh, buckle down on their stance. They, they had heard the shot that Jesus had just fired, and of course he was accurate. He was he was right on the money about who they were and who they belonged to. But now uh, they were embarrassed. Now they were angry. Now they had hatred in their heart. And they were going to express it in their dishonor for Jesus. And I want you to understand this is nothing new. Those who, who, who do not love God, I'm telling you, those who are, are influenced by Satan, they will dishonor Jesus. They will attempt to downplay his status as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But the children of Abraham, those of us who know Jesus, we exalt him. We lift him higher above every name. That's what we do when we worship. That's what we are about here at West Side. That's why we emphasize this because when we worship him, you know what we're doing? We're ascribing worth to his name. His name is the only one that can save. His name is the name above all names. His name is to be exalted in the life of a believer. And I'm showing you uh, this morning that these, they dishonored him. I want you to see how they did so. First of all, they called him a Samaritan. They called him a Samaritan. Now, once again, they could not refute Jesus' statement before of them being children of the devil. So they attacked his person. Now, in that time, in, in their culture, which Jesus was not of their culture, the, the worst thing you could have called someone was a Samaritan, a Jew, <clears throat> is to call them a Samaritan. This was the grossest of insults that they could have hurled at him. Now, let me explain to you why. The Samaritans were Jews who had intermarried, intermingled with the nations around. They were multicultural uh, or biracial, if you want to use that word. I truly believe there's only one race on the earth, the human race, and there are different cultures. The Bible says that God had made all the nations of the earth of one blood. You guys know you're all all from Adam. I am too. And I'm just I just want to clarify that. But uh these Jews, they were very prideful of their lineage, you know, so important for a Jew to know what tribe they were from and who was in their family and, and this was a, a, a source of pride. And so to be called a Samaritan, this would have been a blow of blows, and this is what they try to do to Jesus. They say, uh, you are like those Samaritans, that that mixed race of people and, and who have gone apostate and you too, what you are saying is is full of lies, but we know that to be uh, that the truth at all, that Jesus was, of course, the way, the truth, and the life, and what he was speaking to them was only truth, and so they dishonored Jesus, and I, I live in this culture with you, and it just seems to me like the, the culture does, goes out of their way to dishonor Jesus, right? I grew up, you know, in the early you know, 90s and 2000s, and I remember when I was a senior in high school, I really got into this one artist, Jay-Z, and, and he had just come out with this album, right? This, and I remember the blueprint when it had come out, and it was just, you know, it was the theme of our year, those of us who were playing on the basketball team. And, and we just we just loved that CD, played it over and over again. But later on, of course, God began to, as he began to sanctify my life and began to reveal to me 
uh, just the demonic influences and a lot of the hip hop and the rock culture and all these other things, uh, things begin to surface and things that I was once blind to regarding, uh, you know, some of these artists was just front and center and it was just clearly blasphemous. Like, for example, his name, he calls himself Jehovah. There's only one Jehovah. Uh, he, he would go on, he'd say this in an interview later on, Jay-Z, he'd say, uh, this Jesus, you know, uh, he was an autistic 30-year-old virgin. Why would anybody listen to what he's saying in that archaic book that Christians believe? And I'm telling you, the blasphemy uh, that was going on, and, and then you see it, you know there was there's demons on that man because, you know, and I know, you know, the hive, what, you, what they call it, the bay hive is going to come after me too. But I'm telling you, once uh, Beyonce got in the relationship with him, before she was talking about how she would go to church and have faith, now She's in lawsuits right now for her egregious uh, witchcraft and blood sacrifices that she's making. Uh, and and you, she talks about it in one of her songs, how she uses the pages of the Bible for her, her personals during uh, her season of uh, 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 personal time. And I'm telling you, the world, the world, the spirit of Antichrist is in the world today. It's in those who, who deny God. And they aren't neutral. They hate God. They dishonor Him every opportunity that they can. They throw shots and it's, and it's so evident that you don't hear about them doing this to Allah. You don't hear them doing this to Confucius. You don't hear them doing it to any other name. Why is it that the name of Jesus is the only one that is levied as a cuss word? You want to know why? Because there's power in the name of Jesus and the demons hate what we're doing right now and they know that His name is above every name. I can't even preach today. The gun's been loaded. And I'm telling you, those who dishonor Jesus, it's because they have that spirit within them. They're their father, the devil. And this is what they try to do. They try to levy this insult on Jesus. Say, you, you, you're a Samaritan. But I want you to understand that I was thinking about this and God reminded me of this as I was preparing that in Jesus' line there there were other ethnicities. You know that? Oh, I think about Rahab. She was a Canaanite who was a prostitute. She's in Jericho. And there were two spies who were sent into the land and to scope it out from Israel, from, from, from God's people and the Hebrews and and um, she hid those spies. And when the, 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 the men from the military came and asked Rahab, where are those men who we saw come unto you? They're here to scout the land out. She, she lied and she hid them and she protected their lives. And she said this to the men after this took place. She said, we have heard what your God did when he parted the Red Sea to bring you out of Egypt. We heard how he does, how he has utterly destroyed the other two kings on the other side of the Jordan, the, the Amorites and 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 the, those who would withstand your God. And our hearts melted within us, and there was no remaining courage in any of us. 
Listen to me. Jericho was the most fortified city of its day. The walls were so big that there, there were houses found on the wall. Uh, just in the 90s, there was excavations. Uh, archaeologists pulled up uh, parts of the lower wall confirming what Scripture has said about Jericho, that it was fortified. But we know the story that God would cause those walls to come tumbling down. But if you study it out, uh, there's a part of the wall that remained upright. Uh, and I believe that was where uh, Rahab's house was just in time for those to, to be saved. You see, Rahab asked those those men, hey, will you remember my family? Will you remember us? Because we believe that your God is the Lord of heaven and earth. And you know what they told her? They said, hey, put a scarlet cord out of your window of your house so we will tell those before we go in and destroy, before we go in and discomfit with the edge of the sword, we will remove your family. And that's what took place. And I'm telling you, in Jesus' line, later on she would, she would get married. She would marry a man, and, and, and this man would be in the line of Jesus. And I'm telling you, there's another woman in the line of Jesus, Ruth. Ruth, the Moabitess, and Ruth was daughter-in-law to Naomi. And when Ruth's husband died, and, and Naomi's, and they were at a dilemma. What were they going to do? They would be destitute, and Naomi would go back to her land, and she, not having any sons or anyone to, to care for her, she would just be destitute. And Naomi <clears throat> tried to convince Ruth to go to her home country, but Ruth said, no. Your land will be my land. Your God will be my God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I want you to understand what Ruth was saying is that I believe I've come to place my faith in your God, the one true living God. And she went with Naomi and she did everything she could to provide for Naomi. And, and it, she ended up in a field of a very wealthy man by the name of Boaz. And some of you ladies are, you, you're praying for your Boaz right now. Who's going to come and he's going <laughs> to take you up and sweep you off your feet. But let me tell you, Boaz is a picture of Jesus. He's the kinsman redeemer. Here is a Gentile woman who has no business to be anywhere near uh, Boaz, this wealthy man. But Boaz got a wind of this young lady who was working to take care of her mother-in-law, Naomi, and and it just so happened that he was related to Naomi, and, it, and he, he saw uh, Ruth, and he, he said he told his workers, hey, make sure you drop a little extra grain for her on the ground when she's threshing the floor. You remember the New Testament when this lady came to Jesus for healing this Gentile woman, and she says, even the dogs deserve to get some crumbs off the, ta- off the ground from you. Yeah, I know I'm not one of the chosen. Yeah, I know I'm not from the right lineage, but I believe in you, Jesus, and even just a, a, a crumb from your table is enough to sustain me. And I'm telling you, Ruth come to learn that, oh, when Naomi got wind of what Boaz was doing, when she saw the sack getting heavier and heavier week by week, she said, hey, I perceive something. Boaz has the hots for you. You go and you lay in front of his bed. Some of you men are praying for that right now. I got a beautiful young maiden that you have for me. When I wake up in the morning, she's right at the foot of my bed. I wish it was that simple, you know. <laughs> and she did. She was submissive to her mother-in-law. 
and the rest is history. They were married and they had a child from that line would come Jesus of Nazareth. And I want you to understand something. God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't care about the color of your skin. He's looking at the contents of our heart. He's looking if we love Him. And I'm telling you, if you are a child of Abraham, you love Him. You, you, you desire Him above everything else and everyone else. And I'm telling you, that's what matters to God. Not where you're from, not the color of your skin, not how much money you have in the bank. I'm telling you from experience, oh God, I took this little boy who was raised on welfare, single mom, Oh, nothing to, to speak of. And he pulled me out of the miry clay and he placed me up on a platform. And he said, hey, because I see your heart for me, I'll use you. I can use that. And I'm telling you, God is looking on this crowd today and he's wondering who loves me in this place. Who loves me? And that's what matters. That's what matters. We honor Jesus. Oh, I'm telling you, if you want to know the truth about a faith system or any type of church, ask them what they believe about Jesus. Ask them, is He Lord? I was thinking about it this week, how every cult you think about, they try to knock Jesus down off of the preeminent position that He is in. Oh, our friends up the street, the Mormons, who we pray for, they believe that Jesus was a created being, brother of Satan, and that he was a, he came to this earth as a human, but he ascended and became a God. And that they too, if they live their lives right, if they go on their two-year mission, if they do everything right, they're married in the church, they do all these other things, they tie uh, <coughs> whatever you whatever they have to do, that they too can become God, a God of their own universe, and that they will have spirit children. I had a young lady knock on my door this. A few weeks ago, she was from a church, uh, Mother of God type of church. And and uh, I'm telling you, I start talking to her. and they, they start talking about how they believe in Mother God and how Jesus is the result of, of, of God the Father and God the Mother. And, and uh, that they, this is what they teach, that only through God the Mother is eternal life found. And when we got to that part, I said, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> let me let me correct you on this. And I showed her about 15 verses that point to Jesus being the only way of salvation. And I promise you, Phil. I promise you, we're talking. I'm giving her the verses. And this young lady's one of the young, there's two young ladies. One of the young ladies is just backing away. Like, oh, we got into something we ain't ready for right now. We knocked on the wrong door or something. Like, I kid you not, she's walking and, the, and her partner's still there just kind of listening. I can see the wheels turning, though. And I promise you, you know, I knew from a moment, you know, you get to Jesus and then you find out what someone really believes. Our, our uh, Islam, they, they say Jesus is a prophet, he's of God and all these other things, but he isn't God. He is not, he isn't the, even the final prophet that Muhammad's revelation is, is above Jesus, and I'm telling you, this is what the spirit of Antichrist, he works in religion. The devil has his churches. You understand that? The devil has his high priests. He has his, his faith systems. He does. And one of his main tools is to be a counterfeiter. Be so close to the truth, but not the truth. 
And I'm telling you, this is how he operates, and this is what he's doing in this time with these religious people. They were so close to the truth. They were so close to that they knew the sacrificial system. They understood Abraham. They understood all uh, uh, what it had, had to do with God but, and religion. But they did not know the Son. They did not honor the Son. And because of that, that would be their fatal mistake. So they called him a Samaritan. Jesus doesn't even respond to that. But I want you to see they go a little further. They accuse Jesus of being demon-possessed. Look at it. He says, you are a Samaritan, verse 48, and have a demon. Now, they are big mad at Jesus. They say, the worst thing they can call him, they're calling him. But he's demon-possessed. Now, we know this was to insult him. There's no credit to what they were saying. They They could not discredit his message so they have to discredit his character, try to, and, and it's the same thing today, guys. When you get into, and I think sometimes there's healthy discourse that needs to take place where we should be reasoning with people over issues of our day. And I'm telling you, I've been in these conversations. I don't look for them anymore. I used to look for them. I'm like, please, somebody try me today. My, my, I had my King James Bible loaded. Have the verses for the Jehovah Witnesses if they knocked on my door. Pretty soon they wouldn't knock on my door anymore. <laughs> the Mormons, I'm just telling you, I was locked and loaded. But I was critical, prideful there again. And I don't, <laughs> I share this because, you know, we shouldn't have that, that spirit. But anyhow, <laughs> in these debates, in these conversations, in these discourses, we should be ready to give the answer, right, of those who come to us. And I'm trying to remember where I was going with this. It's going to come back to me in a moment. Yeah, so they they, <laughs> they said Jesus had demons. So they couldn't discredit his message, right? So they try to discredit the man, right? And um, this is what happens in the world today. We see it, uh, we see it in politics. We see it in all the other avenues of when someone can't come up with a logical argument or their or their argument is dismantled because it doesn't make any sense, usually they begin to get in their emotions and they begin to insult you. I don't t- I talk you don't even want to be around my family at Thanksgiving and Christmas. I'm telling you my family, you think I'm a loud mouth. I'm the quietest of my family. And and we get in there, ask my wife and she didn't she wasn't prepared for the first, you know, holiday. When my family, they, we just over-talk each other. It's just, ah, it's just craziness. And my kids are just kind of like, because we don't, we try not to yell in our home, but it's just, but anyway, I'm telling you this. <laughs> this function is in all your families too. So, so you can laugh. I've been to some of your houses. I've watched some of your kids. I've, uh, I know. <laughs> so they're trying to attack him now, okay? They're big mad, like I said. The devil's big mad. <laughs> and um, so Jesus, is, of course, he's not even, he's nothing of the sort. And he says to them in verse 49, he says, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father. And um, I wanted you to know this. If you honor the father, brace yourself. In this culture. <laughs> If you honor God, if you're going to live righteously in this generation, brace yourself. Somebody's coming for your neck. If you align yourself with the truth of the Word of God, people are going to hate you. And if nobody hates you, 
You ain't doing it right. I keep saying it. I got siblings, they don't even let me be on their social media. And it's not because I'm going to, I'm not really that active on social media, but they don't even want me to see because they know, <laughs> they know where I stand. They know I'm aligning myself not with any politician. I'm aligning myself with Jesus and God and His Word. And so I'm telling you, brace yourself. And so Jesus is telling them this, hey, you hate me and you, you're dishonoring me because I honor the Father. I have a relationship with the Father and now you're dishonoring me. And I'm telling you, I, I have to tell myself and learn this throughout living it out, okay, that they aren't mad at us. They are mad at Him. If you speak the truth in love and someone reacts to you, I just talked to a man in the church. He was just sharing something very truthful about a lifestyle in the Bible. And his best friend since this grade just, just about bit his head off about it. I'm saying, bro, I told, I tell him, hey, brother, he's not mad at you. <laughs> he, he doesn't know God. He's angry at God, the truth. You see, cause they can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. I'm telling you, that that hatred is confirmation that we're speaking the truth. They hated Jesus, right? Then they're going to hate us. And we've got to be not looking for that, but we've got to live in such a way where we aren't, we aren't shying away from the controversy. And so Jesus says, you know, I honor my Father. He says, I'm, I'm honoring the Father. It's a beautiful thing. And I want you to understand uh, that. Jesus was equal with the Father, but he honors it. And this is a picture of marriage. I want you to understand this. In your marriage, husbands, your wife is equal to you. But God has called both of you but to honor each other. It's equality. It's not, you know, a lot of cults will take those verses and they'll say, look, Jesus is so he's honoring the Father. He's less than the Father. Absolutely not. The Bible says that in him dwell all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Every part of God the Father was expressed in God the Son. He had all equality with Him. The Bible says, let this mind be with you, be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. You want to know why the devil is big mad when we exalt the name of Jesus? Because He is higher than them all. The devil hates Jesus. He hates anything that God represents. Spurgeon said it this way, no man can be said to have a devil who honors God for the evil spirit from the beginning has been the enemy of all that glorifies the Father. Oh, we must lift him high. I want the devil to be big mad at me. And he is. This is why the attacks are relentless. But I know y'all praying for me. Oh, I'm telling you. Because it's bouncing off of me like I'm, I have Teflon on me. And I'm telling you, uh, the devil, he can't win. He cannot win when we are close to the lion of the tribe of Judah. Yes, Judah. Yeah, the, the devil is a lion, right? But he isn't the biggest lion. <laughs> I know the biggest lion on the block. When I was playing college basketball, Tim, you remember, uh, we had a guy on our team. We called him Bear. He was 6'10", all 6'10", 6'9", about 360, would you say? <laughs> and let me tell you what, he was my best friend. You know, because I knew if it was going down, bears got my back. <laughs> and we, I, I was very kind to him. <laughs> I respected him. 
One time we were playing around, and he just plainly just, just punched me, you know, 18, 19. I, I had to pretend, I had to walk away like, oh. <laughs> don't get on his back. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, we don't have to fear. My favorite song right now to worship to is Tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. When the devils uh, came in contact with Jesus, they say, what have we to do with you, Jesus, thou son of the living God? They trembled at the name and the presence and the power. When Jesus came into the region, they said, oh, we remember that feeling, that power. We know there's somebody here who is more powerful than any other principality that ever was and will ever be. And I'm telling you, we've got to start walking like that. We've got to be looking to make the, ne- the devil big mad because you are invincible when you're in the will of God. Oh, stop trying not to uh, offend people. Oh, who cares? I'm more, I'm more concerned if I don't, uh, I'm trying not to offend God. Come on. I don't know who I'm telling that to today, but take it and do with it what God will have you do. Jesus honors the Father. So we see first the deliberate dishonor of these men. They call Jesus a Samaritan. They accused him of having a demon. And I want to see Jesus. Secondly, he declares to be greater than Abraham. I want you to see what the scripture says. So in verse number 51, Jesus is in this exchange with them. And he says, most assuredly, I say to you. So when you see that in 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 your scripture, in the Bible, Press, lean in, because Jesus is saying to them, lean in, guys. I'm about to tell you something important. Even though these men hated him, Jesus is still trying to, to win them and, he, and declare the, the, the good news. He says, most assuredly, listen up. I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. He shall never see death. I want to see Jesus declares to be greater than Abraham because He claims to be Lord over death. (laughs) Lord over death. He promises eternal life. This is a God claim that he was making. I mean, what is the most feared thing in all of, I think, humanity is dying, right? You know, just, we try not to think about death, but death is a part of life. And um, death used to be Satan's most powerful weapon. But we know that Jesus openly spoiled that. <laughs> the Bible says that he, when he was resurrected, that he openly spoiled the principalities and the powers that be uh, when he when he arose from the grave, when he took away the sting from death. I heard about a son and a dad in a car and they're driving it. And a bee had gotten in and the son was deathly allergic to bee stings. And the father knew this and the son just, he started to uh, just lose it when he saw the bee in there. And the dad, uh, he didn't know what to do. He's driving, but he reaches over and he finally was able to put his hand on the bee. And he, of course, getting stung in the process. Bee is now dead, of course. And I'm telling you, that's what Jesus did. He said, Paul put it this way, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, when I was in that room, and the, the, the deputy walked us all back and told us to, this is it. They're going to be 
he's gone. We're going to turn off the machines for Brandon. As we walked back there in that room, you know, I couldn't help but think of these verses. And how Brandon had just turned his life around and had been pressing into God and he was ready. And uh, when they turned off the machine, we all, our eyes were glued to the machine as the heart rate got lower and lower and lower. It's kind of like in the movies, just like surreal, you know, just in the flat line. And then I turned to Perry. The only thing I could say, thank you, God, for heaven. You see, for a believer, death is just passage into eternity. It's just, it's necessary to, to go to the other land. I used to sing this hymn called Beulah Land. <laughs> in seminary, old hymn. And it talks about how soon we will cross that shore to to that beautiful place. I, I want to talk about heaven for a minute. Because <laughs> Jesus promises eternal life to those who believe on him. He says, most assuredly, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Now, what he's saying is that they will not be eternally separated from him. Neither death nor life can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So I'm telling you for the believer, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And I want you to know heaven is a glorious place. It's not what we see on the movies where we're all floating on clouds, looking like babies, wearing you know bandanas over our, our sections. And, 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 you know, it's not boring. It's not just some type of, you know, just whatever it might be. It's beautiful. There's a pleasure there that we have yet to experience. Jesus said, in my Father's house there are many mansions. Uh, God is making places for those to to permanently uh, dwell with Him in heaven. Oh, we're going to eat in heaven. Jesus, uh, He said, I will eat. I won't eat again after this supper until I eat into the the next. Uh, covenant. I believe the first time Jesus is going to uh, eat again in heaven is at, at, the, at the marriage supper of the Lamb. When He calls the church, when, when we're in His presence, we're going to eat. We're going to be married. You're going to have joy. I want you to think about the most joyous uh, thing that you've experienced. I want you to think about it times one trillion is what heaven's going to be like all the time, every time. And the greatest thing for us in heaven is that Jesus will be there. Oh, I'm jealous of Brandon. I promise you in my heart of hearts, I'm jealous. He's seeing him. He's with him. He's at his feet right now. And I'm telling you, we've got to start living like what we have now is not better than what we're going to get. And if we just grasp that, if we live that out, oh, how radically different would we live. We would live differently. We wouldn't cling to sinful, fleeting pleasures of this life. Yesterday I was I was intentionally fasting and trying to get more disciplined spiritually. But I, I wasn't gonna do the whole day. I was gonna eat dinner, right? <laughs> and um <laughs> this is the I was just thinking about this. I asked my wife to take out a steak. I wanted for dinner. I wanted a. We had this grass-fed steak, and I wanted a salad. Right? This I'm asking. I said, "Babe, could you could you put that out? Because I would like that for dinner." So, kid you not, around noon, my stomach is growling. Right? I want to eat, and I'm driving at this point, and there's 
the fast food restaurants. There is, you know, the donut shop. How many of you guys saw Pastor's uh, post? <laughs> he helped me. I'm glad I looked at that because it helped me to avoid the temptation because normally I'll be in that drive through getting that donut, you know. But I'm telling you, I, 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 I just was able to say no to the pools of those those urges of the unhealthier stuff, right? Because I knew, oh, if I just wait, later on, I'm going to get this big steak. And let me tell you, it was worth the wait. My wife, she's my favorite for so many reasons, but she's phenomenal at cooking. And so um, you can probably tell by looking at me. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I... I Got home and I got that steak and it was good. It was about this big and I ate it all and, and uh, I was satisfied. It was worth the wait. I'm going to tell you guys, there's going to be suffering. There's going to be denying yourself in this life. There's going to be things that are going to try to come and distract you and take you away from God. But I'm telling you, if we just hold on, if we delay our gratification to follow Jesus, to serve Him, oh, there is waiting for us on the other side of this life rewards that we can't even comprehend. I'm telling you this because God has promised this and I want you to just learn to, to have a distaste for uh, this world honestly and to, and, to, and to just have a desire to be with Him because it's going to be worth it. It is. Jesus promises eternal life. He is not pulling any words. He's not pulling anyone's leg either when He says that He will give eternal life to those who believe in Him. A person will never be separated from Him when they trust Him. So Jesus declares to be greater than Abraham from that promise. But I want you secondly, He declares to be greater than Abraham in the fact that He receives honor from the Father. Look at verse 53. He says, Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead, and the prophets who are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that He is your God. Jesus declares here that He receives honor from the Father. He, he does not need their justification because He has already received it. And currently, of course, He, is, he received the, the honor and the glorification from the Father. And I want you to understand this. Uh, the Bible talks about this in Philippians chapter 1, that because Jesus bled and died and shed uh, his, his blood for our sin, he rose from the grave three days later. The Bible says that God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. And I want you to know that honor didn't just start after he resurrected. It was all throughout his earthly time. Oh, remember when he was baptized and he came out of the water and the Holy Spirit in the picture of a dove came down and rested upon him. Uh, and I want you to remember what was said. Uh, the voice, the audible voice of God was heard when he said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Oh, on that Mount of Transfiguration where Peter, James, and John was there with Jesus and he was transformed into his, his heavenly appearance and he glue, he, he, the brightness of his uh, countenance was like the sun. And the Bible says a cloud moved over there and the Father said from that cloud, This is my beloved Son. Hear ye Him. I'm telling you, Jesus, 
Jesus received the honor from the Father through the miracles that He performed. He did everything that pleased the Father. And I want you to understand something uh, this morning. Oh, it's a beautiful picture of, of what uh, the, the, the Godhead is. The Father honors the Son. The Son honors the Father. The Spirit comes and honors both. And it's a beautiful picture. And Jesus is saying, oh yes, I am greater than Abraham because I received the same honor as my Father. And I want you to understand something about Scripture. The Bible is very clear that God does not share His glory or His honor with any man save one, the God-man, Jesus. I want you to get that, guys. This is why we honor Jesus. This is why we exalt Him. This is why we praise His name. Because the Father vindicated Him. But I want you to see Jesus says something that really stuck out to me in verse 55. He says to them, yet you have not known him, speaking of those in the crowd who did not know the Father. He says, but I know him, and if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. These men, they professed to know God. But I want to say something this morning that may rattle some cages, but it needs to be said. There are no shortages in America of professions of faith in God. But profession is not proof that you belong to God. I'm going to say this. And I'm going to say it. Just because we profess to know God does not mean we know Him. There has to be some fruit. There has to be confirmation. And Jesus alludes to one of the confirmations that He knew God was that He, listen to this, at the end of verse 55, but I do know him and keep his word. I was reading the first John. It says, if any man say that they know him and keep not his word, they are liars. Where's the disconnect in America? We've got Christians out picketing for abortion. We have Christians out here living like the devil, getting high, getting low on, I mean, just living like the devil and one of the children of the devil. And they, but then they come to church and say, oh, I prayed a prayer one time. And I'm telling you, that ain't it. If you don't have it in your life, if, if, if there's nothing in the, of the Spirit of God convicting you in that sin, and I'm telling you, I've been there. I've been in sin. But let me tell you, the whole time that I was in it, I was completely miserable. I did not have peace. I was like a sheep in the mud. Of the mud, And I'm telling you, uh, some people are living like pigs in the mud. They align with this culture. Oh, I'm so, uh, I've had enough to hear with this woke church. We, have, we got mega church pastors' wives debating on the side of why it should be legal to kill a baby in the womb. And you're telling me those people have the Spirit of God in them? I, I don't buy it. And if it gets me in trouble, if it gets me uh, canceled, <laughs> who cares? There's people in the church who don't know the Savior. Who they are, there's no fruit. Now, I'm not saying every one of us struggle with something in here. Keyword, struggle. If you're not struggling with something, like Pastor would say, I want to meet you in the lobby after church and shake your hand and, and study in your school. 
key is struggle. Are you running to it or are you running from it? Refreshing isn't proof that you know God. It is one of the main proofs that you know God is if you keep His commandments. If you live for Him, if you love Him, keep His commandments, what Jesus said. So I want you to know Jesus is saying, I'm greater than Abraham because I can give eternal life. I am Lord over death. I receive honor from the Father. I'm on the equal playing field with the Father. He honors me. But he also goes on to say, I'm greater than Abraham because Abraham honored me. When Abraham followed that voice, it was my voice. I want you to get this. You see, Abraham saw Jesus' day by faith. Uh, we're studying in the third, you know, bachelor's going through Genesis right now. and Abraham, the father of our faith, he was a heathen. <laughs> he didn't know the true living God, but one day he heard the voice of God and he said, get thee out of your country and away from your family and to a land that I will show you. And Abraham ended up living his whole life in tents. But by faith, he saw to the future. He went to the grave, but he still, by faith, saw to the future of the coming promise. You see, Abraham saw Jesus' day in the covenant that he made with God. God made an everlasting covenant with David, I mean, with with Abraham, also with David, too. Because Abraham, of course, believed him. And then we know that Abraham saw Jesus' day through the miraculous birth of his son Isaac. Oh, it was a picture of another miraculous birth that would take place when a virgin would conceive and give birth to the Messiah. Abraham saw Jesus' day when he was called to a mountain that was three days' journey, and he was going to sacrifice Isaac unto God, and he believed in the resurrection. He believed that God would raise Isaac up from the dead. I want you to get this picture with me, church family. And he raised a knife, and God said, no, stay your hand and look over into the bush, the thicket, the thorn bush. There's a male ram for you. Oh, it was a picture of the Lamb of God who would go to uh, a, a hill called Calvary, and they would put a crown of thorns on his head, and they would nail his hands and his feet to the cross. And that royal red blood that would flow down would be the only sacrifice acceptable to a holy God for sin. It would be the final sacrifice needed. And Abraham, by faith, saw into the future and he knew that God would be true and that all other men cannot fulfill, but God could. Abraham saw his day. This is what Jesus says in verse 56, that Abraham, he rejoiced to see my day. Oh, and we Christians, we do rejoice. We look back to the cross. We look back in the Word of God to the day Jesus saved us. The day that He paid the penalty for our sins. I love that when we were singing that song, my debt is paid. My debt is gone. You and I, we had a sin debt that we could not pay. And Jesus paid a debt that He did not owe so that we could be called the sons of Abraham, that we could be called the sons and daughters of God. If you don't get excited about that, something's wrong with you. Abraham rejoiced. Do we? (laughs) We got to rejoice. So the Jews, they didn't quite understand what Jesus is saying. Still, they said, you aren't even 50 years old. You've seen Abraham. You see, 
we, we've already touched this. I won't spend more time, but Jesus predates all creation. He is the uncaused cause. Uh, you know, I was talking to a young man who's searching things out, and he doesn't quite understand where he stands with God. And I'm praying for his salvation. And, and uh, I, I told him, hey, you know what? Your position of believing in evolution and the Big Bang, you know, that takes a lot of faith. He's like, what are you talking about? Well, you're saying that something came from nothing. Where did the stuff for the Big Bang come from? And I said, I also have faith, but I believe the Bible. I believe that something came from someone who never had a beginning. He's the uncaused cause, God. He's creator, that we were made by him and for him. And this young man is struggling. He's struggling with depression. He's struggling with what is the what is the purpose of life. I remember a few years ago, I probably shared this with you guys before I was up in Shamamish, I think it's called Washington. It's it's similar. It's like really close to to Microsoft, and so a lot of executives of Microsoft live there. A lot of wealth there. And uh, I was up there, and the pastor who's planning a church there was saying, "Hey, this this area has some of the highest rates of suicide amongst teens." And as you, he drove me by the high school, and every car you can think about was in the parking lot. Every sports car, every classic car, every, these kids had everything at their fingertips. But because they've experienced all the, pre, the pleasure this side of the world, they, they are empty after they realize, and they see their parents who are empty, and they begin to ask questions, what is it all for? If we come from a monkey, if we came from nothing, if we evolved and we're just going to be annihilated when it's all over, what is the purpose and so they were, they were taking their lives at a very high cliff. And I want you to understand something. It is so important that we proclaim the truth of the Word of God because there are teens, there are adults, there are people who, who have gotten to the top. They, they have gotten to the top of the top and they realize it's vanity, it's empty, there's nothing there. But we know the truth that we were made by Jesus and we were made in His image and we have a purpose and this life is only the dress rehearsal for the real thing, eternity, that there's no end to. And I want to encourage us, church, we need to be on mission today like never before because as it's getting darker, people are groping and, and the only way that they can come out of that is if the light of Jesus Christ shines in there. And we are the church. That's what we're called to do. Jesus is he's going to go on and he, he said, you're not 50 yet. You saw Abraham? And he goes in verse 58. Jesus said to them, most assuredly. Remember, what we do when he says that, we lean in. This is going to say something. <laughs> he said, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus declares to be the I am, the uncaused cause, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. The one who's sustained on his own, he needs no one or nothing. He he declares that before Abraham, it was he was. Uh, it can be translated this way: Before Abraham came into being, I am. I want you to understand. He's greater than Abraham. He's greater than any other man that ever walked the planet. This Jesus, you want to know why there's such controversy and such stir around him? Because he's not just a normal man. If I preached another man's name, it will have none effect in your life. 
Think of the richest man. If I preached Bill Gates to you right now or, or Elon Musk, he, they won't do nothing for you. They can't. You can write me a check. You know, I might cast it too. But, but let me tell you this. When I'm in my hospital bed, none of those men could do anything. But one can. His name is Jesus. He has conquered all for us. And I just want to encourage you. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, you don't have the assurance that when you die, that you will spend eternity with Jesus. I want to encourage you today to come to Him. He wants a relationship with you. He loves you beyond what you can comprehend. He shed His blood for your sin. And He wants to, to move into your life and make you a new creation change you, give you purpose, fulfillment, and joy that you can't possibly imagine. And I'm not going to paint it like your life's going to just be uh, fairy tales and pixie dust and you're going to walk through tulips and stuff. No, you're going to go into battle if you come to Christ. But let me tell you, like I said, like I waited, you know, I struggled through the hunger and, the, you know, <laughs> till I got home and had my steak. I'm telling you, on the other side of this suffering, because we will suffer here. On the other side of that, is heaven, glory with him in heaven. And it's worth it. And you choose now. You can you can live, you can reject him, you can have pleasure from this world that's temporal, that always in, eventually entraps you. Or you can have pleasures evermore with him. That's the choice. You, you deny yourself, you come to Jesus Christ, you follow after him. I promise you at the end of that life, oh, what awaits you far outweighs anything you sacrifice here. But I also want to say this. When you do come to Jesus, He does bless you this side of heaven. I don't want to paint it as you're going to just suffer. Oh my goodness. I can't, I can't express to you the things that I've seen God do in my life and the joy that I have and the peace that I have and, and what He brings to my life. I can't even articulate to you. And I promise you, He is more than enough for you. He, he will fulfill you in ways that you can't comprehend. And so, Jesus is saying, I'm greater than Abraham. I'm greater than any man. Flawed man. I am the great I am. And I want to encourage someone today, if you need Him as your Savior, come to Him.